Hello and welcome to Bad End Podcast. This is episode number 103. I'm Josh Calixto, joined today by friend of the show, frequent guest, uh, slash Superculture Network affiliate, Yusuf Cole. Yusuf, say hello. Tell us what you've been up to recently. Yo, what's up? Um, very happy to be here to join you, talk about this week or so in games and whatever else. I've been playing some games. I've been, I've been doing my thing. <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about it because you are at bullet points. That's the majority of the work that you've been doing for Superculture Network. Um, recently had a, an anniversary stream last weekend. First of all, congrats on the fifth anniversary of Bullet Points. The site's been around for a while. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about, about Bullet Points and what you guys do over there? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we just had that that stream. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> it's like <laughs> a blur <laughs> of things happening. Uh, but yeah, the Bullet Points. So I, I haven't been editor the full five years, but I joined like editing about two years ago. The site are basically all we long form criticism is what we do. That's that's the aim. There's, a, there's certainly also an allegiance to first person shooters or shooters of other kinds, but we'll cover whatever game suits our fancy because it's just me and Reed running it, so we get to do what we want. And yeah, it's uh, every month we cover a different game and and hire a few different freelancers, game writers to to write something about the game and give it their take and we publish it on our site and we've been doing it for five years. So it's pretty, pretty dope. It's a really cool site. Um, everyone should check it out. And yeah, we did the stream on Saturday. Just, uh, I think it was, it had a few different aims. I mean, definitely to get some more um, money toward our Patreon, which we accomplished, which was good, but it was also really nice to get other people involved or, just because we, you know, we've worked with so many people. So being able to just catch up with everybody and, and get everyone involved with the, with the stream, with the site to talk to people and, and see where people were at was just really awesome. Actually, it, it kind of turned me around on streaming a little bit. I feel like I want to do more streaming now just because it's like really nice to be able to, to, to like, to like connect with people in a way other than like discord or Twitter or what have you. Yeah. It's, I find that it's a lot more interactive, obviously, than the podcast format. People are usually really receptive to it. And it's something, it's not like a thing that's mutually exclusive with podcasts where you can kind of do both at the same time and feel like you're accomplishing a lot on either front. And um, you guys did a great job with this stream. I was actually one of the guests, but we had a lot of other great people on the show. Um, so if you want to check that out, you definitely should. Uh, bullet points is on twitch i don't do you know what the handle is for bullet points on twitch uh, i think it's just, uh bullet points monthly okay so uh, yeah. check out bullet points on twitch you could probably still dig up the vod from that um but it was a 12 hour stream it wasn't actually 12 hours but i call it a 12 hour stream <laughs> so go check it just out keep, for... just keep saying it yeah <laughs> some great content great conversation um I, we talked a lot about canada in the episode uh, or the section that I was on because Zach Coatser was there uh, of Funland and, and Reed and they're both Canadian and love talking about CanCon. <laughs> I, well, I didn't even know that was a thing. There's a whole like, world is, of Canada out there. Yeah, it's it's a whole universe. The, 
the Canada exp- Extended Universe. Um, we were also playing Halo, uh, the first one. And uh, I was curious whether that inspired you to pick up Reach, to jump into Reach. Not necessarily. I, <laughs> well, sort of actually, because I, I started playing Reach like a couple weeks ago because it's on Game Pass. And, um, well, the anniversary collection is. And I picked it up because I was interested in playing Halo again. And because um, I, I used to love the crap out of Halo as a kid. But picking it up again was such a weird experience because, first of all, I had never played Reach. So I was like, let's try that one. Like, it's another Halo game, right? And it's just like there were so many years of Halo that I missed. I played like one through three. And then after that, didn't really touch a Halo game. And then all of a sudden, this game is just totally... I feel like I'm maybe seeing stuff through rose-colored glasses, but it feels like it's trying so hard to be like a realistic modern warfare type shooter when I felt like the stuff that made Halo excel in the first place was the stuff that it was doing that was opposed to that kind of whole vibe. Granted, like the first Halo came out at a time where like modern warfare wasn't even a thing yet, so... Uh, maybe it's unfair to judge it on those grounds, but at the same time, I picked up this game and it's like the fu- the the assault rifle does like no damage unless you're like right up close. There's like a lot of ammo issues in that game. It's there's this like way more. It feels like they've tried a lot harder to balance everything, which feels like a very modern obs- obsession to me. Um, not that that's wrong necessarily, but it's not what I want necessarily out of a Halo game. Mm-hmm. So playing Reach has been weird because of that to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they probably balanced it a lot toward the multiplayer, right? Because that's always been like the consideration with Halo. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like there was a time where they were a lot worse at it, which is mm-hmm. not, which sounds like a bad thing, but I think is is a good thing when you're playing the campaign of a game like this and you're playing it for the gun like think about um destiny for instance destiny is a game that has to be to an extent balanced for multiplayer i'm sure some people would laugh at me because of that but it's also like balanced toward pve where it's just like as long as you're grinding your numbers are going up your accuracy is like never terrible terrible but in this game, it only feels like there's like a couple guns that are good. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm having trouble killing grunts with like big rocket launchery type guns. <laughs> there's this like concussion mm-hmm. gun or something like that that the aliens have. And when they're using it on me, it's like kicking my ass and I use it. And it takes like four hits to kill it, four direct hits to kill a grunt with that thing. And I'm like, what? what is with these guns? Like I get that you can't make them too powerful but at the same time like give me a break man yeah totally it's like very i mean it's it's experimental which is kind of cool but it's also like it has to work and and the first halo just playing through it saturday like there's definitely things where you you respect the the commitment to their system which is to not ever like stick with one gun the, the whole point of it is just to keep throwing down guns and picking up whatever is nearby. But then you get stuck with a needler and you have to shoot an enemy in a specific spot and then you're fucked. Like unless you can right. find some other gun. So it really like 
uh, it has huge pitfalls, which Destiny made a lot smoother, like by not doing that at all. Like, you know, it's very much like not, it's like, you, it is about the gun game, but it's more about like the RPG grind of getting better guns. Um, whereas Halo, it's like, it's like the opposite. The, the, the guns that like are the, the least important thing in the game, even though they're, it's all you have to access the world. Yeah. I, it just feels less like a power fantasy to me. And it also just, it feels like not very good at the same time. I guess the big shooter that I've played recently, I played shooters, you know, between this and this one that I'm about to talk about, but the one that really sticks and that I kind of measure other shooters against right now is Valorant. And that is a quote, realistic game because, you know, you die really quickly, even though you have these powers and stuff like that. But the gunplay in that feels so much more satisfying than in this Halo game. And maybe that's like it's turned me off to this kind of game, but it, it feels like this installment of Halo specifically is trying to go for this middle ground between like power fantasy where you have these like dope big guns and stuff and then like the re realistic call of duty type shooter where you have to have you like it's not fair for every gun to kill you in two shots but it's like i'm playing against i'm playing on normal campaign mode like just let me let me have a little fun here dude like you even even in destiny like it you get these headshots and you know these critical hits and it feels so satisfying but i don't feel that sense of like crunch it doesn't feel like tactile uh in halo reach to me yeah no that's true i mean destiny is definitely one of my favorite shooters on the on the tactility and the gun feel alone like it has so much other uh bullshit on top of it that makes it a much worse game but as a shooter it's like super entertaining and they and, and they know what makes it feel good uh but halo yeah like I mean, it is. It came out later, so like they definitely learned a thing or two, obviously. But like, yeah, I think there's something about Halo where it's like, I think trying to be more of a pure video game, where it's like you got to know all the tactics and all the min maxing to do it right. And then like Destiny is just like, no, it's just like wait, you know, spend a couple hours after work and like goof off and enjoy this experience. We're not trying to like measure your your skill here. Yeah, there's something about the floatiness of Halo that is kind of its signature to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I really like that about it. Maybe it's hitting different too because I'm playing with mouse and keyboard now. And it's just like such a different vibe overall. Maybe, um, yeah. But I don't know. It. I think it's just something about this installment of Halo. I think if I try playing the OG, it'll it'll hit me a little better than this one is. It's crazy how many Halos there are. Because I was like looking at the, uh, you know, the whole anniversary edition, whatever it's called, and it's just like so many, and I haven't played half of them, and then I'm just like, I kind of want to play them since they're on my computer, but I'm also a little like, I, I don't know like if it would just be, get overwhelming. Like even playing the first one, I'm like, okay, I'm good for a while. Yeah, there's like ODST. Who who wants to play ODST? You don't even get to play as the the space marine. Like yeah, you're playing it, as like a regular soldier. <laughs> No, thank you. Isn't like Nathan Fillion in that one? Isn't that it's like no? That, I think that's like another one. <laughs> I think oh. it's like there's there's because there's ones that like I don't think did Bungie did they work on all of them? Because I think there's some that Bungie didn't work on, or that that the new studio that Microsoft there's created like, for Halo. Right, right, right. 
work maybe that's on. where all these these changes came in getting off yeah. my lawn kids yeah i mean i don't want you should, any of that new shit you should try you should just try since you have it you should just try the first halo and see how it measures up because i yeah. think that yeah there are like there's a the element of like of um franchise rut that these big games get into where they're just kind of making the sequels for the sake of it because i was just watching that um that noah gervais like resident evil video that that's been going around where he just reviewed every single resident evil and there's that's a big theme of it where it's like it's a franchise which has its peaks and valleys and sometimes like the valleys like just feel like they just didn't know what to do or like they or they were just kind of huffing their own like paint. Like they were just like, we're so awesome. Like there's like when you're at the top, there's no place to go for, but, for, but down. And then you kind of get some of that where it's like, they just get too full of themselves and don't try and innovate or, or innovate in ways that are not actually like beneficial. And it's just because it's this like massive franchise that can't, that has to make a new version of the game, but also like doesn't really know where to go from, from where it is. And that's just, that's the video game thing. Once you get into that franchise grind, you're just like, what new feature are we going to do now? And you just become, you become beholden to that philosophy of like, we have to change something, but we have to stay true to the original. And in video games, especially, it feels just so many studios just kind of lock up in that zone and they just kind of cruise. And it feels like Halo kind of did that. And that's not to say that it that reaches a bad game per se, but it doesn't feel like a significant improvement. It doesn't really feel like I'm playing something super different from the original Halo. Um, and it's just not as interesting to me as that game. Um, but I'll, I'll play more of it just because, you know, shooting stuff is fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is. Yes. <laughs> Like literally I was just watching you guys play Halo during that stream the other day. And I was just like, it's so almost calming in a way. You're just, that game is so looking, watching you guys play that. It was, it just reminded me of how much interesting stuff was happening in that game that people never really discussed. And I don't really know if it even gets discussed to this day where it's just got this truly meditative quality about it that is it's totally intentional like the way you're just going through these like brutalist alien spaces and you were literally going through these hallways that look like exactly the same for like 45 minutes and i'm watching this going like is did something glitch i thought you were playing horde mode or something like that (laughs) but no it's like it's just repeating the same enemies over and over like you're just kind of doing the same thing over and it's very quiet. There's not really much music. It's all very moody. The lighting is um, very soft um, and and the alien architecture, it's not super oppressive, I wouldn't say. Um, the Covenant got, yeah. has their shit going on. You know, it's, it's, it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, and then you did this thing where apparently it lets you switch to this like new art style where you press a button and it switches to like, if Halo was designed today, like here's how our artists would have done it. And it looks like fucking dead space four or something like super intense, kind of demonic in a way that is like totally off base from the original. And it's just, it's kind of gross, not 
like not because the architecture and the way the game itself looks as gross, but because it's just such, it's just such a betrayal of the original aesthetic that it's like this literally lost everything that was like interesting about what was happening in, in the original Halo. Yeah, it's crazy how much it misreads the like the intent or the art direction of the original or just ignores it where it's like we're just going to throw like every texture at this and every glowing layer that we can add. Like it's not supposed to be that much lighting. It's supposed to be dark. And then you just like enter this room and it's just like you're entering like a day glow, like magic mirror, like like haunted house. It's pretty it's pretty weird. Um, And I was thinking about it. It's like part of the meditate meditative nature i think is because like just playing halo like you're reminded just of the games that came before the games that came after and the it the the way the way it sits at this crux of shooters where like it does make a a ton of pretty amazing advancements like vehicles and really big spaces uh because like technology couldn't do that before like you couldn't have that big a draw distance and so it coming out on the i think the xbox or whatever like that being the big tech technological flagship of the console and yeah that's like a big deal and i think like people were used to to these like they were used to corridor shooters right like the earlier like doom and like and those games like and even quake like you play quake now it's like so abstract because you're just going through from one brown hall to another um and then like sometimes it's a little bit of gray and like it's so easy to get lost because everything looks the same I think that's just what people are used to. And now there's obviously a lot more variety. And Halo, I think, made huge advancements in some areas, but also was a product of its time, right? Like they were just going to, know, like gamers were going to be okay with a certain amount of rep- repetition and a certain amount of simplicity that they wouldn't accept anymore. Yeah. And it is very much a response to the games of that time where every shooter was harsh and everything was loud and graphic and crunchy and kind of gross and grungy. And it like to depart from that felt like it had a lot of connotations, right? It felt like it to, I feel like even today, our idea of a departure from that type of aesthetic is the total knee jerk opposite side thing where it's like this like nice, cute, empathetic games that make you cry type thing. But sometimes like you can make an adjustment like that to your art style and make it like a calm shooter and have it still feel different in a way that, that doesn't like undermine all of the qualities of first person shooters, but that like just, just changes it, changes it up. And I feel like we still don't get that type of a change up from first person shooters. And I think that's what Halo was really dialed into that we still don't have today. I can't really think of a precedent or um, of, of something that followed up Halo that did those things in a way that was similarly satisfying. I'm trying yeah. To think. I mean, cause it was followed so quickly by like Call of Duty and then and Gears of War and that kind of took over the atmosphere so thoroughly. And that like became the winner of the aesthetic basically for the next decade. Right. Um, I mean, you have Overwatch now, which, which is like, leaning into like softer aesthetics but it's not a single player game you know like so it's a little different yeah and it doesn't it doesn't trickle over into the way that the sound design works and the way that the mechanics work and kind of the sparseness of the atmosphere is something that 
catches me about Halo a lot too, where you have like these massive fields that are just like widely empty. And then mm -hmm. the, these buildings that are just like empty and repetitive. Uh, it, it's, it's such a weird thing when you watching guys play this game was such a trip because it's like, <laughs> you don't see games do that. Um, which I'm not, again, not saying that it's a bad thing. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, to say that like games have fallen off since then, but it's just, it's surprising that you don't see more games following that, those types of footsteps where you're switching things up in that kind of way. It's like, people find these like points of variation within video games where it's like, Oh, here's where we can do something interesting. And it's always in like what the gun does or like how many times you can shoot it or what the bullets do or what they look like. And it's never really in like how much stuff are we putting in a room? How much lighting are we going to have? How much, you, you know, these more subtle artistic details that really define the look and feel of a game like Halo. Uh, and I feel like the first Halo is really a masterclass in that and is something that today's designers can definitely learn from. Not that mm -hmm. they will, but no, there's like, so I much space there. <laughs> the thing is, it's, it's just like the, this, it comes down to te technology so frequently, right? Like it's just there was space because there could be space, but also they couldn't fill it with too many things. And now you have Black Ops and Call of Duty, like, I played that one, the new one last year where like a, a room had 5 million objects in it because they're just like, dude, look how many objects we can fit into this room. Look how much, how many textures, look how many like, uh, discrete objects we can create for this world. And like, they don't have, there's, there's not a, I mean, the art direction is like leaning into like stuff shows like the Americans and, and like that, like cold war aesthetic, but like you don't have, the, the choice doesn't, doesn't feel like taken from that as much as it feels driven by needing to like show how many uh, polygons you can stuff into something. Like it's always going to be about like the technology showcase comes first. Right. And it, when there are limitations, it just results in like a product that feels incomplete <laughs> as opposed yeah. to like they didn't make their goal smaller. They just like, cut off the amount of time that they work on it. And we're like, let's just fix the rest after the game's launch type thing. Mm -hmm. It's like that philosophy of like, let's do brutalism because like it, it has pretty simple polygon shapes and we can make a building look like beautiful in this. And we can have the lighting look really interesting. And let's do like these wide open atmospheres, it's like setting their goals almost lower in a sense and working within this restriction. Whereas you look at something like cyberpunk and they're like, we have to do RTX. We have to do, you know, at least a hundred pedestrians on the street at a time and whatever doesn't work, we'll just uh, fix in a patch later. And uh, didn't, didn't turn out so well, obviously. I mean, obviously cy cyberpunk is a low hanging fruit there, but it's, it's a common thing in games now where it's like, let's just do as much as we can and whatever is not finished just just put out an mvp essentially yeah that's but, a good point though it's like because witcher similar engine and it's just because it's in nature by design you have to have less things in there and even like that like helps <laughs> you're just like okay i'm not running into a person every like five minutes like i'm just like right. in the woods and that's that's sick and then like cyberpunk obviously i mean cyberpunk as a genre is about crowds and cities but like you also have to think about game design you have to think about the player experience and I, I think like they were so beholden to the to 
being able to like showcase the best of, of gaming technology and also like this dream of like being able to be Johnny Mnemonic or whatever, like that it just kind of tripped on its own weight. Johnny Silverhand. <laughs> God. Keanu Reeves. Stuff about that. Jeez. Uh, Can't yeah. believe that game actually happened like that. Wow. Um okay, speaking of art direction, we get I feel like we should move on from Halo. Um Death's Door, we both played that. That's how, right. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about Death's Door? Um, it's actually interesting because I remember there was a conversation on the Superculture Slack about what what part of games were the best, like the beginning, middle, or, or last third. And I was thinking about it with Death's Door because for me, it's always the middle that the, feels the best because you've passed the tutorial segments, you um, have most of the power-ups you need, like you're actually getting to interact with most of the game systems. And that's, I think, where I'm, I'm at with Death's Door now. Like I have... I think almost all the weapons, most of the ranged attacks. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, it's like this isometric 3D kind of hack and slash game where you play a little crow that runs around um, these these like kind of like uh, fantasy style worlds and and um, attack enemies. Uh, it, like structurally, it, it's it's pretty familiar to a lot of games, but I think it was starting like. Just the past few days, I started to get, and I haven't been playing that much of it, but like kind of piecemeal. Just the past few days, it's gotten to this point where I'm like, oh, okay, like I'm seeing some of where it's like pushing things a little bit. Like it's got some of the Metroidvania, like, you know, you need an item to get into an area, but uh, mixing that with actually the 3D perspective gets to some really cool like puzzles that you unlocked, almost like Zelda style, where you, you roll, like you roll through a hedge and then you're in there's an area where you can go underneath the whole map and you're like, and it feels like you're really discovering something. And I, I kind of stumbled on this just like playing a few days ago and I was like, Oh, that's pretty sick. But I think like for, uh, the large part of what I've been, I've been playing like five or six hours. Like, yeah, it's like very, like, you know, it's very polished, very well executed, but also a well-tread, um, approach, well-tread genre of like top-down hack and slashes um, so it wasn't until recently that I'm like, okay, it has some elements that actually make it stand out. Yeah. I think the game definitely does stand out. I, but I, I don't think that that's its problem. You know, mm -hmm. that's the thing is like, th it's interesting because this is something that we haven't talked about, about on this show that much, which is we typically tend to really prioritize games that stand out from the crowd because of what they do artistically. And I feel like this game does not have a problem with that, but something else about it is really just making it not stick for me. And I don't know if it's the way that the game feels. It feels kind of clunky. It feels kind of sluggish. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like when I'm slashing around, like things aren't registering and the way that the roles work are kind of weird. And I don't feel like the combat is like, I don't want to say it's not complex, I just feel like it's there's not anything really interesting going on. It's just like kind of walk up to a dude and slash a couple times and then walk away and rinse and repeat and you're good. But I, I, I think that like when I go to play this game, I'm not really enjoying myself all that much, but I'm looking at it at the same time and being like, oh, this is a really cool game. Like there's some really neat stuff going on here. I like the way that this art style looks and it just feels like they're putting a bunch of 
disparate parts together and doing a lot of new things at the same time, but they don't come together in a way that makes me feel like it's a game that I'm really enjoying, despite the fact that I think there's interesting things going on there and it is quote a good game. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, it's like the, there's like the whole so bad it's good thing with media. This almost feels like so, so good that it's meh. <laughs> so I, I don't really bad. know. <laughs> no, I feel yeah. that it's like, I mean, part of it's just because there's just so many games and there's so many good games. It's just like a tough field to stand out in. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I feel, I feel for the game in that respect, but yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's aesthetic is really strong and it's like really like it's really nice to explore the worlds like the music is really good the art style is really nice like yeah i think you're right about some of the combat mechanics like uh the role for example like there's like the role um and you can kind of do a strong attack coming out of the role and it's supposed to be like this really important attack but i almost never use it because it's so hard to aim it so I end up just like constantly like overshooting the enemies or just like just doing the thing where you just the best move is to walk up slash and walk away or roll away or whatever. Just especially like some of the enemies that have like really fast like strong like attacks that like you can't always predict. Like it feels like there's some some knowledge of like more traditional action RPGs like but it's also I don't know yeah I don't know if it's like if it's operating at that caliber. But it's like but because the aesthetic is so nice it's like it's definitely pleasant to spend time in, the, in that world and it's and it does feel like a capital g game where you're kind of just like this is video this is a video game man i'm just like i'm a little bird walking around a zelda world like doing my thing like finding finding treasures finding power-ups and like as like kind of a brain turn off experience you know it's working i don't know if i'll beat it but i mean i i, I i've been i'm still engaging with it like it, it's not boring it's just like yeah i think that it has some areas where it feels a little soft or it feels like it's not like like it's at, it's at that mech category <laughs> like it's just like it's above mech because I, like, i'm enjoying it but it's like yeah it's definitely not blowing me away until those like those few moments where i was able to like do some cool puzzle thing where i'm just like oh shit i'm like this is cool this feels like i'm like solving a puzzle organically but again, that's not happening all the time. That's like a pretty infrequent thing. <laughs> yeah, it occupies this really unusual space where it's like you can't hold anything against the game, but it's just not do it's not like hitting that spot. I, I, I don't know what's what else to say about the game besides that. But um I I will say too, like a lot of the game kind of does feel empty at times, which mm. is also really weird because I'm like how do they make games feel so crowded? And yet like this one, it feels like they were trying to stuff it with things that are industry standard. Like there's a leveling system in there. There's like equipment that you can get. There's collectibles, there's secret shrines, there's different enemy types and strategies, but it doesn't, but it often it feels like I'm just like, once I've killed all the guys in a room, it just feels like I'm in, I'm just like walking around of, fucking museum installment or something where just yeah. there's just nothing else there which is just such a weird thing because like there's a way to make an empty game feel full we were just talking about halo and how it's really good at that there's there's ways to make 
a full game feel kind of empty. Like, um, I feel like horizon zero dawn is an exercise in that where I was, there's Mm. always stuff in front of you. And I was, but I always felt like what I don't want to do anything else. Um, and this game kind of sits in the middle of that where it's Mm. just, it always feels like there's something there, but at the same time, like you have these moments where it feels like really empty. And I, I guess there's a kind of magical key, magical ingredient that a lot of games these days have that we kind of take for granted where they do have this sense of feeling populated and they do have this sense of like having something to do. Uh, but this game, it doesn't really have that for me. And I think that's where it's missing something despite the fact that I still enjoy playing it. Yeah. I think that that totally makes sense to me. And it actually reminds me of a game that does this really well, does or filling space really well, which is hollow Knight for me. It's like, I love that game. Um, and it's also a, a Metroidvania, but it's 2D, um, and the spaces are really tight and compressed. Actually, like it doesn't really have too many big open spaces because you're a bug exploring tiny tunnels. But there's, you know, it does a thing where it's, if you heal or travel anywhere, then the enemies will replenish. And I, and I, and I think uh, Death Door does that too, or something similar. Um, but I think because of the 3D pl- like plane of Death Store, like there's not as much a connection connection between the enemies and the area. Like you kind of this kind of ran- there's a randomness to it. And with Hollow Knight, if you play it enough, you always know exactly where the enemy is going to be. Like you you know like um oh, in this section of the room, like I know there's going to be a guy here, there's going to be a guy there, and you kind of like, but it doesn't get tired because it's so fun to fight them or to figure out ways to get past them really quickly. Um, it's like they become part of the texture of the world. Like the enemies in the world are like inextricably tied together. Like they, they are just facets of each other. Whereas in Death Store, it's, it feels a bit more like there's a world and then they put enemies on top of it. And I think some of that is just like the, the nature of the, uh, or the, where the design falls a little bit or fails a little bit. Yeah. Hollow Knight is a good example because that game, there's also a lot of variation that gives you the feeling that it can kind of go anywhere with its approach. You know, like a lot of the spaces are really cramped, but at the same time, you'll, you'll find yourself in a space that's just wide open and you have no clue where the bottom of this pit is. Mm. And man, I've, I came fully around on hollow Knight. Like I was so disparaging and I was, Hey, I was a hater for a while. Cause I was like, <laughs> You know, uh, it's just like I I couldn't really get into it at first, but once you start seeing more of this world and where it goes, it's really that that's a game where the middle chunk is where you really start seeing what's going on there because it starts revealing its world and it, it just becomes this mystic like journey into it feels like this world of fossils and ancient lore and ancient ideas and it's, it gets really scary and the, the sounds change and there's a great sense of mood. And I'm not getting that as much from Death's Door, um, which I feel is actually actually a pretty close analog as far as art style. You know, you got these mm-hmm. like little kind of cute creatures that are in, you know, an ostensibly more dangerous world than you would imagine them to be for the cartoonish art design. Um You've got this kind of Metroidvania approach with a slightly unforgiving combat system. 
uh, upgrades and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I think Death's Door just isn't going in the places where Hollow Knight did. So yeah, I would almost less, compare it to like a yeah, yeah. Less of a sense of like mystery, or like a sense of like the world being constructed, or or like or having sp- this. It's like the space. The spatial element is like not there. Part of it is because you're traveling, you're teleporting around so much through doors. Uh, you don't really, uh, you don't connect the worlds to each other. You don't connect to the spaces as much. I'm also kind of wish there was a map. That was an interesting <laughs> yeah, choice to take same. the map out. Yeah, same. Well, I, I got that. You know what? The I think the first ten minutes of this game, where you're in the black and white like, kind of subway space, that was like almost more interesting to me than when you go into the world where you're actually fighting stuff, and it's a lot more colorful. Because I was like, I was looking at things and feeling like, what, where am I? What is this place? What's, what's going on around me? And then after that, you kind of go into like, oh, we're, I'm in like a fantasy world now, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think like I almost, what I'm realizing from the middle game with, with Death Door is like there, it is starting to introduce depth to it. Like, um, like changing levels where you can, once you get certain uh, items to break down barriers, you can like. In the, in the cemetery, for example, you can like um, this area that you've been traveling through a lot. You can break down a wall and then just fall down a big hole into the down, like kind of the dungeon area of it. That's just full of spiders and like and boulders and it's otherwise empty. And it it feels like you're like oh shit, this is awesome. Like I'm exploring like a different part of this space. Um, and it also feels like there's a geographic shift that's happening live versus between like teleportations and that, that alone like creates like such a sense of like wonder and mystery that otherwise is usually missing when you're just kind of um, sampling from an area versus exploring it. And there's also like the, uh, in the jungle part, like the similar situation where there's like the jungle and then eventually you can like figure out, you can like get underneath it and you're in the dungeon part of it. And that, like, th- that stuff is really cool. And I mean, that stuff reminds me a lot of Hollow Knight, where it's like uh, having access to like one as- one part of the world, and then like going one level below, and it's totally different, and it's totally spooky and mysterious. Um, and I, yeah, I think it just takes too long to get there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, I, I always forget that I can play footage from these games on, on the stream. <laughs> um, yeah, but. I mean, just like, it's pretty to look at. Like, if you just watch this footage, it's like, it's it's a world that you definitely appreciate being in. It's hard to to be playing this game and think like, oh, I'm miserable. I don't I don't want to be playing this right now. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like, you'll play for two hours and be like, all right, I'm I'm that's enough Death Store for for the day. Which there's a lot of other games where I do not feel that impulse to just like, I'm I'm like fatigued from playing this game for so mm-hmm. long. Um, and I, I don't, it's hard to put into words like why that feeling comes, but I feel like we've touched on some of that here. Uh, hopefully I think, I think, I I think there is that kind of sense that there's just not much going on underneath the surface. Um, but apparently there is, they just, yeah, it takes you a second to find it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's, that's always the, the gamble, I guess you take with any game like this. Um, I also played, have you heard of The Ascent? I've been seeing uh, talk about it, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a cyberpunk 
sort of two stick shooter that's also like dungeon crawlery um also kind of like isometric perspective it's kind of got like a diablo vibe in that respect pull up some footage here if you're watching the video stream this is what it looks like it looks pretty cyberpunk 2077 ish it's got got the cyberpunk texture yeah (laughs) rtx vibe um very dungeon crawlery harsh shadows look to it it almost reminds me of like a starcraft with the way that everything looks or like an early 90s vibe i think of like abe's odd world odyssey and um I feel like a lot of games in the 90s had this kind of look. It's kind of like where they could pre-render the lighting, like, and so you get, like, richer textures. Yeah, it has a pre-rendered look to it. That's, that is hilarious. <laughs> I, I wonder how much of that the, that legacy they're actually pulling from. But, you know, it, it does go places. A lot of different environment types. Um, but I'm not really paying attention to the story. The writing's kind of crappy. The, U, the UX is just awful like really oh yeah there's no like i've been playing a lot of really shitty ux slash ui games recently death's door is kind of one of them mm-hmm. like all of the the ui shit in that game and like it feels really kind of clunky not really responsive kind of behind the times behind the curve on a lot of stuff the menus don't like do things that you would expect typical menus to do this game the same way like i it took me forever to figure out like where your health bar is located i still <laughs> don't know thing. <laughs> yeah i still don't know where the like if there's a stamina gauge or something but you run out of um, of rolls and you have to like wait to be able to roll again um there's a lot that. of dialogue weirdness where it's just like it, it's just a regular menu for dialogue like they use the same menu for dialogue as they use kind of for everything else and they didn't put any attention into like the norms of how dialogue works in video games nowadays where like if you choose one dialogue option and it comes back once the other character's dialogue completes like it doesn't gray it out to say that you've already selected it um, mm-hmm. it, and it starts back on the first dialogue option every time you go through one. So if there's like six different questions you can ask, like the shopkeeper or something like, and then you go through and you ask the, like one, it'll bring you back and it'll put your cursor on the first one. So you have to like scroll down to the second one and then they'll say the second one. And then you spits you back up to the first one. You go to the third. You don't remember which ones you've already chosen. It's just, it's kind of a mess. But yeah, it, sounds um, gnarly. it is, it is. It, re- it really is a game that you just kind of like hop into and just, you gotta just let it do its thing and let it work its magic on you. And if it doesn't work that magic on you, you just play for the shooting, which to be fair is pretty good. Like it's, it's very turn off your brain, put point your stick and hold the trigger type of game. Um, yeah definitely a satisfying mechanic that games discovered in this nest era <laughs> yes twin stick stuff is lots of fun uh and there's, Did you ever there's play no... Ru- uh ruiner yes i played like five minutes for that but that <laughs> one also felt kind of clunky and i stopped it was a little yeah there's like a little feeling of like not under 
yeah, just not being able to read stuff that easily, like whether an enemy was getting hit or like whether you were getting hit, just like a little bit of too much. It's like that layer, the, too much of like a flat layer of like interaction. Like it wasn't yeah. actually like re registering well enough to feel fun. Right. And I just have so, it's weird because I talk about a lot of games, quote, as a critic, which is to say that I think critically about games as I play them and that determines how I talk about them afterwards. But there's so many games that I bounce off of that are for reasons that I wouldn't consider to be like in line with my critical approach or like critical values. It's just stuff where it's like, it's just, it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to, for me to play this game and I'm not, I'm not really enjoying my time. So I just bounce off of it, you know? Um, Dude, I mean, there's, we don't, we don't get paid enough to, to play games that we're not <laughs> having any, like any, like, and we're not like getting, I guess, hooked in by, or we're not getting like some satisfaction from mechanically. Like we're, we're not here to like suffer through these because they're not short games either. Yeah, so and that's <laughs> that is something that is also like not talked about when it comes to video game criticism is the fact that like if someone spent 40 hours on a game and then they say something shitty about it afterwards, the odds are that like they did enjoy at least like the experience of playing the game to an extent, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like it, it sounds like a weird thing to say, but there's been a bunch of games where afterwards I kind of processed the game and I was like, that wasn't a very good game. But, it, you know, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's where a lot of like the flawed masterpiece type stuff comes from, because there's like a very disconnected experience of playing a game and evaluating it on a different level. Um, yeah. But yeah, at the same time, absolutely. like you should be able to you should be able to like acknowledge that that gap exists, you know, and it's, it's OK to, to just be like, yeah, I like I enjoyed playing it, but it wasn't a particularly good game, I wouldn't say. Yeah, you know? I think there, yeah, it's kind of like um, there's this, this aspect of playing a game where you're engaging with a software object with, with an inter interactive experience. So like, uh, it's almost like we, we, can, we can explore the, the narrative layer, the surface layer, but you, if you can't like, like, do the equivalent of turning the page of a book or like sitting through a movie or like understanding the movie, then you're not going to be able to get, you're just not going to go. You're just simply not going to be able to like be the target or like re or receptive audience for the narrative and surface layer, because you're going to be so like tied up in the fact that you're struggling with like the, with the functionality of it. And I think that's ha definitely happens for with me for a lot of games where I'm just like, this idea seems cool. Like this concept seems great, but I'm also just like, I'm stuck on square one. Like, like I'm just like, I can't actually like read what you are putting down because it's so like frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird too, because people seem to understand the steam reviewer thing of like 800 hours played thumbs down. You know, people seem mm -hmm. to understand like where that comes from. But they also can't understand when, like, people give, a, you know, a critically or Metacritic 88% game, <laughs> like, a six, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, because, it's I mean, like there's, yeah, they're just judging it on the functional part, right? Like, they're just being like, was, did pressing A feel good? Yes, 90, 
80, 90. Like if, if, if it functioned as like a piece of software, then that's all, that's where they want to stop. But yeah, like then you, but yeah, like it's, it's weird. It's like basically there's the assumption that because the software functions, because it's not buggy, like the, the biggest crime that cyberpunk made was not like being sexist or transphobic. It was like not functioning as it, as advertised. So like that is yeah. like, yeah, that's the problem. Like it's not like critics don't want that part to work as well, but we also like want to make sure that like thematically and narratively, like we are, we're like getting a good experience or getting something that's like worthwhile. Yeah. Or something that you can like talk about afterwards in a capacity beyond like it was the shooting good, you know? Yeah, because then you, Which, you kind of have that even with, like, say, Death's Door, where it's like, you know, it's fine, but also just, like, like is it is it as, like, yeah, does it, even, like, we I mean, it's kind of, I think we did a good job of, like, kind of explaining where it, it, like, doesn't match stuff like Hollow Knight, which is similarly, like, very similar in a lot of ways, but then also, like, has a world that does feel, like, more, like, uh, like much more thought out and much more, like, unique. And that isn't and like they both are perfectly functional games and they both like are pretty close in terms of like interactivity. But then like just like how do you how do you then examine the or then it's about talking about the elements that like make it stand out, make one game stand out from the other, make like because like otherwise it's boring. Otherwise, what's the point of talking about it? Because then you're just talking about like a a checkbox. Like you're like, all right, like, you know, it does the shooting good next and that's kind of like, yeah, like kind of a dull way to keep, to keep like, to talk about games. You need to like have the extra layer. Yeah. And I mean, and it doesn't, and there's not one layer, right? Like, yeah, that's the other thing too, is that people assume that I think the critical trend is to talk about like a few specific things outside of the gameplay. Um, mm. And this was like brought up in that like one thread that was posted, right? Like, um, it's talking about how like a lot of people talk about games in the context of like whatever they felt like talking about in the moment, which tends to kind of gravitate toward like identity. Uh, it tends to gravitate toward just like a couple specific themes, mm -hmm. but that's not like, that's such just because like, that's what a lot of people tend to do uh, in like the publications that that person follows does not mean that those are the only lenses through which you can see video games. I think there's a lot of different video games that deserve to be seen through different types of lenses. And then there's like certain lenses that like when you apply them to certain games, just like, okay, I'm, what am I going to get out of like this type of a specific type of critique? Like I'm, I don't know if I'm going to get as much out of like a capitalist critique of Mario as I would, you know, looking at like the capitalism of, cyberpunk 2077 which is not to say that's not like an interesting lens through which to look at a game like mario but it's like it, it's not there's not every lens is created equal and i think different games deserve to be looked at in different ways and it's it's not always just like is this thing good or bad compared to like what the what the developers were trying to do which i think people kind of mistake for being quote good criticism nowadays where it's like what were they trying to do and did they accomplish it is like the ideal of what criticism should be for some people. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not really 
interesting because what if they mm. weren't going for anything and they did a really good job of not fucking going for anything does that mean the game was good no like yeah and they're also gonna be going for like a hundred different things and they're gonna like maybe nail five of those and then halfway through development are going to come up with like another hundred things that just like happen while they're like it's just like the it's authorial intent is like already a a terrible way to look at things but then with games it's even more it's even more pointless because it's like these are like live objects that are just like that have tons of people working on them all sharing their ideas so yeah i think that's like definitely like a dead end i think like with criticism it's for me it's like it's that's definitely part of it where it's like one size doesn't fit all but also i want to be surprised by the take and by the by the angle that the person writing about it is bringing like i don't want to open a piece and kind of know what it's going to be from start to finish just from looking at the lead and i that's whenever i see like criticism that really like wows me like it's always it's definitely that where i'm just like this person is like coming at this with an angle that i had not considered and like it is very well backed up and it's very like and it's very like thoughtful and i think that is i mean it's hard to do that always and often you'll get you'll you'll get near misses or you'll get you know interesting ideas that don't necessarily like land but i think like you know you don't you don't want to just like throw out the baby with the bathwater because of <laughs> because of that like because it's hard to do that like and that's what i think a lot of gamers like will will have that knee-jerk reaction where it's like you're just making something up to like sound cool and sound pretentious or whatever it's like no they're like you're it's hard to come up with like with with like interesting things to say sometimes and it's hard to like to have a perspective that that is like well considered but also very experimental and very bold and i think that's Mm -hmm. really no like it's it's a talent and it's a it's something that i really admire in the in the critics who are doing it well but i think it's it is that about that element of surprise the element of just like I couldn't have written that. I couldn't have written this. I couldn't have come up with this. Like, that's awesome. Like, like, and like, it could even be like a critique of Mario being capitalist. Like, and then like, if they wrote it in the way that you're just like, like, damn, <laughs> like that is, this is irrefutable. Like, this is like such a like fire point. Like it could very well be um, a great piece of criticism. It's, it's more like that that like lack of surprise and that and that like reliance on on tropes and on on tired ideas where you want you're just like kind of get sleepy what reading it you know yeah yeah and again not to be disparaging toward the idea of looking at mario through uh through that lens (laughs) (laughs) but i'm I'm tired of reading all these articles about capitalist mario (laughs) that's like the that's like the go-to like yeah angle where it's like do we really have to talk about this game this way? But my, my point is more that like, there's a lot more lenses out there. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people just like, don't really see them and just assume that they are all like that type of thing where it's like, like, let's yeah. look at this and how colonialist it is. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, just applied to like every single game where it's like, okay, yeah. like we, we can, we can do that to every game and get something worthwhile out of it. But there's also like other lenses through which people can look at games and people are looking at games that just don't get the same amount of recognition because like those kinds of articles tend to get more attention from like assholes, essentially, Mm -hmm. basically. Um, Yeah. And like, that's what kind of defines the conversation. Whereas like, yeah, Mm -hmm. 
I can think of 10 ways to think about the ascent, right? Like you could, you can compare it to, you could compare it to cyberpunk 2077. Um, I think the critique that I saw of this game was like kind of comparing it to that game and saying that it, it does a lot better of a job at like honing in on, you know, the critiques that it's trying to create. I think it, it's saying basically it does a better job of that than, um, cyberpunk did and that it's world building is a bit better mm. etc you do a lot of like you could apply a lot of the same like ideas that they had applied to cyberpunk to this you can talk about this as a dungeon crawler and compare it to something like diablo or even like torchlight you could talk about like this is how how this the gameplay of this compares to smash tv which is a game that i was playing recently and is a total fucking trip um, <laughs> yeah it's a crazy game weird game man um yeah totally i mean but, like it's yeah. funny because even the um critic like noah gervais who like the original thread was talking about like you know being like the er critic because he's only about the material realities of the game like when he's talking about resident evil 5 he compared it to um raul peck's destroy all the brutes he's like it's like this like hbo documentary series about like a colonial lens of um of like Western media, basically Orientalism and like specifically about how it looks at Africa. I'm like, that's pretty dope that he like pulled that out, out like in this seven hour, other seven hour video about like Resident Evil. Like, like he, you know, he can be this, he can talk about the, um, he can do a textual reading, like just talking about the, the mechanics of the game and the structure of it. But like, he, like clearly criticism encompasses multiple things. And like, you can like, why rule out any one thing when like if you have a good enough reason to bring it up and there's just there's never enough acknowledgement i think i i feel like we make too much of like these intertextual readings of like comparing one medium to another um we always talk about how like art is not created in a vacuum and how people are inspired by other things but i don't think like people understand the, the extent to which that's true like so many artists are like referencing things or inspired by things that the person who's like consuming this piece of art might not really know about. And I think the knee jerk reaction is for people to kind of like just dismiss that that's there altogether as opposed to just like, just being like, no, that's, that's just the way it is. Like they, they are really trying to do this or they are pulling from this. Um, and that's just, that's just how it works. Um, but yeah, I think if that kind of thing was better understood, people would have like a little bit less of a hard time swallowing that pill, but yeah, I, no doubt. I don't really think that's the world that we live in. So that's yeah, fine. We have our, we have our, it people. is what it is. Um, how are you, what is this ascent footage telling you about the game so far? What, what are your questions about this game? You're burning the ascent <laughs> questions. Why is your guy like have such a smooth chest? This <laughs> is a smooth chest dude. Yeah, that's a good. In the future, question. do not have know. chest hair. All the customization in this game is weird. It's got that like shitty costume syndrome where like everyone else in the world looks cooler than you because like everything <laughs> you put on is just shit. Oh no, that was like Cyberpunk had that problem, right? Yeah, Cyberpunk definitely had that problem. And I, I don't understand why this is a thing. Give characters better outfits. Just like, just yeah. make the default outfit cool. And like, I understand that you have to give a sense of progression and you can't just give them the cool suit at the beginning, but like something yeah, better no, than this. Come that's garbage. On, like I've been playing a little bit of Bloodborne and like 
like replaying, yeah. it, replaying it. The first outfit's dope. The next outfit you get is like the one of the best ones in the game, like the hunter's outfit. Like done. But there's still Bloodborne like a ton a of other example. outfits. Yeah. Great example. They should. They need to change this system. People care a lot more about fashion in games than people think. I think, in yeah. my opinion. Just let me change like my fucking whole outfit and then like just say I'm wearing different shoes or something when I equip something different. Who cares? That's just my no, opinion. No, I mean, I th- yeah, I think it's like, yeah, I, th- I think I agree. As like with Bloodborne, like the outfits don't really matter that much. <laughs> like there's definitely outfits that are for particular, like a, you know, anti poison stuff and like anti fire stuff, but you can also right. just like brute force it and it's fine. And the fashion is the most important thing. And that's totally legit. Like that is great. I mean, I, I enjoy the souls like outfit setup or like the functionality with like, you can't wear too much armor in the early souls game. But I think Bloodborne is just like perfect. Whereas it's like, I just want to look good. Right. I mean, final fantasy 14 is also good at letting you do that stuff. There's a lot of freedom in your glamors as they call them. Yeah. Um, you just gotta look good. You're gonna spend spending time looking at this character. Might as well like, did, be enjoying it. There so there are do you know do you know about um Final Fantasy fourteen like lookbooks and stuff? No. There are websites dedicated to Final Fantasy fourteen glamours and people post fits on these websites. <laughs> nice. Nice. Let me let me find oh yeah. The eorziacollection.com mm. it's like it's the coolest thing because they have this thing called g-pose where you can look at your character um and just like pose them essentially for like these kind of fashiony looks so this yeah, is the coolest shit ever i could go by roll okay i'm a tank i can click tank the tank the and tank then line. you have these looks <laughs> yeah it's like okay i'm a I can, you can do, uh, okay, Gunbreaker, or actually, pal- let's do Paladin looks. And then it you got these lookbooks of all these things, and you can even, um, Leona-inspired Sun Knight. See, they got these, <laughs> these four image. I love Leona from League of Legends, so I want to make an outfit that lo- makes her look from the game. And then it tells you, like, what all the pieces are and where to get them. And wow. it's like... It's like shop the look, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When I found out about this, I was just tripping out. <laughs> and I, I, um, there's some pieces that are just, just straight up fashion pieces that you can get in this game that are just like leggings or a, or a specific top or something. And, um, they're equip- equipable by like all classes and stuff. I love the idea but, that like um, to shop for the look, you're just like going out and like murdering like extremely difficult enemies just like your version of like hitting them all in the final fantasy world right i need to go gank this dude to get this like sweet top there's some like really great tops that are only equipable by say like that are only or sorry only you can only acquire them via the like online store so you actually have to like buy some articles of clothing it's kind of nuts oh there you go yeah. Getting that, getting that cash. But wow, what a look at just look at these, look at this. Edion Veils, the creator. 
Like this guy has just <laughs> just made this fucking website. This is just crazy. Look at this That's website. So funny. This guy puts so this much work just, into this website. <laughs> this is just for. This is only for people to post their outfits. It's a whole website. Is he, up, is he selling stuff? He's no, not selling. No. Just the game is selling. No, you can post your own outfits on here. Yeah. So like these are people posting their yeah, own yeah, things. Yeah. But they're not like farming them. Right. Fade Dancer. Just look at these images, man. This, like, this stuff is just so cool. I love this. This is mm -hmm. a slow ass website, dude. I'm an indecisive person. Yeah, he really does. Okay, <laughs> so this is like a I think this is one of those ones where you have to buy it on the website and it's like three bucks or something. So you yeah. like just buy this and it's just you only use it for fits. Yeah. yeah. But look at this pose. What is this? The is lighting this is good too. It's like weapon really, yeah. I know you can you can have like glam lighting on your character in this G pose thing. And it's like literally like you're putting in console command type like slash commands to change the lighting and stuff. Oh, word. In the game. It's 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 nuts. Just yeah, like that's that. pretty crazy. Sorry for going into this. No, I mean, game, that's legit. Like, because it's also just a full MMORPG like that you can play as a MMORPG, but you also then you can just do this. Um, right. And make like sick, sick looking characters. Like, why not both? This is why so many people play this game. Yeah. This is why we need more diversity in video games. Cause you get, I am, I like making outfits in video games. It's let very me important. fucking do it. And let me take pictures of my, I want to have a dress up doll in my video game. I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah. I mean like I can't play another military shooter with like cargo pants and like tactical <laughs> joggers. <laughs> Tactical joggers. Tactical joggers. I, I don't can't. even think they're at that like fashion <laughs> point yet. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. they've made it to the fashion joggers yet. Yeah, that's as far as they'll go. Um, what else did you, did you play? Anything else? Anything else you want to talk about before we? Uh, I know it's a short app, but uh, that's, Yusuf is here. I mean, I've been playing a little Odin Sphere because I have the Vita. Um, just like it's been collecting dust, so I've been like. Let me fire this up because it is a really awesome handheld. And, what is yeah. Odin's sphere? Loaded up in the tubes, man. YouTube, <laughs> get the, get the preview. Um, right. It's like it's uh, vanillaware, so it's like the same people as Dragon's Crown. It has like wait, wait, it's sphere. Yeah, S S P H E R E. Um, okay, and it's the first like, thing that's coming up is Odin's Odin's spear. No, it's like Odin singular and then sphere. Okay, okay, okay. It's got yeah. some crazy language uh, in that game. <laughs> like, I mean, it's cool. It's like very bespoke feeling and very like anachronistic. But it's like, yeah, it's like a fantasy side scroller game. But it also has a lot of RPG elements. Like you're leveling up Is your character. Is it Leaf Thrice? Yes. Leaf Thrice? Leaf Thrice. Life. They're just like, kind of, I just love, they're just like coming up with all kinds of names. Like it doesn't matter what it means. <laughs> they just they're butchering the romance languages. Um, yeah, Japanese approximations <laughs> of Western, like German shit, is like absolutely bonkers. Yeah, but yeah, it has the vanillaware style where it's like these like puppet animated characters or puppet animated like kind of two D images uh, that just feel really unique. But it's also just like a 
dope game um very well constructed like you're juggling enemies you're uh, you got all sorts of like combo moves and magic spells you can use and it has a lot of interesting uh elements for an rpg where you'll like you can like the way you level up is by eating food so you you grow food on the battlefield like you'll plant it and use magic to like grow it and then you'll eat it like in like five seconds and then it'll like level you up um and there's like all all these traveling merchants and like chefs that will like cook you like 20 it's kind of like final fantasy the road trip one i forget which 15 where you're just like they're all about meals and all about like fancy cuisine so you'll you'll hit, hit up like a a traveling like restaurant that will give you like uh like a strawberry crepe and or like <laughs> or just like a fancy um like side of beef or something uh based on ingredients you find in the in the world so there's there's elements to it that are just like it gets very detailed but also like i thought i was worried that it would feel really overwhelming just because of how much stuff is in it um like where you're not just going around hidden things like you're also trying to grow food and shit uh but it all works pretty well like it all like it doesn't really punish you for for your for like decisions like you kind of any i think it's set up in a way where any decision will result in um a good result like it's kind of like a pretty light light interactivity but it's just like it's a really cool aesthetic and style um and it just feels really fun to play like uh, yeah, uh, this looks yeah. dope. Wait, is this the Dragon's Crown people? It is a Dragon's Crown people. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like as far do as they like, do, yeah. What are you 13 saying? Sentinels? Yeah, yeah. Vanillaware. Yeah. The thing is a company. Okay. Um, Man. And so, yeah, I had this Vita and I haven't been using it so much. And like, I was like, what are like the, you know, all time Vita games? And I was like, this is. This, this game definitely makes me wish I still had a commute. It's like one of the few things that made me wish I still had a commute because it's like perfect for that. Because you're just like running around these like maps, just like clearing room, clearing clearing room after room um, and like collecting shit. And like, it's great. It feel, it's like super well, well made. And it's like super, it's a really cool aesthetic. Like if you skip forward, like what... there's like, um, once you meet like the, the one of the main characters is this like, king character who's just like so um big (laughs) and so like awesome looking large he's a large boy (laughs) and like it's just like it is such a cool game to look at like it's just like um the aesthetic wins me over every time but it's also i think it's also a pretty well-made game it's kind of goofy yeah yeah i mean it's kind of like like in a cool way it's got this like fantasy storybook thing going on and there's like furry animals and stuff and like disney <laughs> character like disney looking like animals um but then yeah you're also like murdering things left and right and and there's like underworlds and stuff it gets dark but it's also and then like you're like you follow different characters in this uh, like there's like different chapters and like you start with this valkyrie character and she be, she gets married to some dude she starts wearing like a wedding dress at some point like it's like corny but also i don't know it, it like works this guy is so good the, guy, the barbarian guy is so good i feel like you're either in the world of odin sphere you're either like a little girl or, <laughs> yeah. a, or a massive man, man. yeah 
Um, yeah, Dude, it reminds me of the like Henry Darger documentary. Did you ever watch that one? Like, it's like in the realm of the unknown, in the realm of the unknown or something. It was like this documentary about this janitor um, that like wrote a like a kind of borderline creepy children's book in his spare time. Um, but he wrote like that, like hundreds and maybe thousands of pages of it and drew all, drew all these drawings and stuff. And like, it has that, like, it's like a fantasy vibe, but also like a little creepy, like just because of the way, because the way everything moves and like, and like the way, like everything's put together, there's like a darkness to it while also being very like Disney. Yeah. This has that. Which Dragon's Crown is definitely like leans into more where it's like more about like the ridiculous looking characters. Right. And there was a lot of this game is problematic talk at that time. Yeah. We, I feel like we need to have a critical reassessment of Dragon's Crown. Yeah. I can't, I mean, I think Odin's fear is is less that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It looks a little bit less that. Like it does not like, I mean, there is some, there's like a definitely a big titty death lady you have to fight. Um, but it's also like, so she's so grotesque. I don't know. It's like kind of a strange, uh, uh, combination of things. Like I think what this game does, it's like the, the way it combines like anatomy, the, the way vanilla wear combines anatomy is like just very uncanny. So even like right. when they try and make sexy looking things, like they're not actually like that attractive. Yeah, and Dragon's Crown felt like it was along those lines as well. I mean, plus I feel like people just people are just more chill with like big titty characters in general these days. I think it's yeah. less of like a, the world is safe. I mean, de- depending on the <laughs> depending on the context, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this that's pretty cool. It's so cool, man. Yeah, you have like really like it's like a really interesting move set. Like it's Anything where you slash mm-hmm. and like the whole screen stops for a second for yeah. you to like just watch it happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like the ju- and, and, ju- and juggles, juggles juggles are so key. <laughs> and these like, like weird yeah. jagged lines on these like polygonal jagged lines on the slashes. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Wow. If you have Vita lying around, definitely give it a shot. I've been like yeah, I've been buying things so, for the Vita. I'm just like. Uh, somebody came out with this game, Russian Subway Dogs. It's kind of dope. I haven't opened it yet, but I was like, I'm just going to... Where I'm, you... I'm buying things for the Where do you get these things? The, the PlayStation the Store. It's online. Oh. I'm just downloading it. I'm like, I don't <laughs> like know how the, long it's going to stay online. Way, huh? Yeah, It's like, I'm not buying any physical media. I'm just like downloading this stuff. It's weird. Because I'm like not playing the Switch at all. I'm just like playing the Vita. I, they need to get this for Switch. Yeah, that would be sick. They should definitely like re-release it. Or Dragon's Crown. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I remember Dragon's Crown was fun, but this looks this looks better than Dragon's Crown, maybe. It, it's got some know. layers, it's got some fun layers. Yeah. Um, let me see. I don't think we had any other questions. I think maybe we had like one from last week because we did not get to our questions last week because we were like running super overtime. Uh-huh. I'm game. Let's see. Let's let's hear it. Let's do like one question. Let's do it. Can you speak a little bit about narrative driven games? Like how game mechanics and storytelling can affect each other and stuff. So I guess like we talk about the interplay between narrative and gameplay for a second, which I feel like we did a little bit earlier this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, 
there's like a very I don't know. I I almost feel like over time I've become less interested in narrative overall in mm-hmm. video games. I guess like that's something depends. that you used to care about. Yeah, it it definitely depends, but it's it's something that I I kind of saw as the primary channel through which video games could be artistic expressive i guess where it was like it's got if it's gonna be art it's gotta have a great touching story mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's like the way i like with oh yeah i gotta make you cry uh, <laughs> it's gotta be able to make me cry through some sad plot point you yeah. know yeah and then like shadow the colossus was like my one of my main like video games can be art thing but even then that's not like the narrative isn't necessarily what's doing that for me in that game. I guess like I yeah, just, technically it is right. Like it's the, it, there's a narrative versus like a, or a plot or like a, or it's like, you know, there's less, less uh, storytelling and more thematically telling a story. I guess it's like, you need the it's narrative in the sense of like the puppy was sad is a narrative, you know, <laughs> like, or watching like a dog, be sad like a small dog be sad like when you would kill a colossus colosso i i I would just be like god this is terrible this is so what a beautiful creature i i killed it um yeah it is a little bit like just like kicking a puppy yeah Yeah, they're definitely like (laughs) you're a bad person for doing that this thing we made you do yeah that's it's definitely in that whole era of like you're a jerk because <laughs> you did the thing that we told you to do and you can't play the game unless you do this thing. Mm. Um, but that being said, I think over time that view has changed for me a little bit to, to be more that narrative is something that I care about in games where like narrative is a primary thing that drives the game yeah i I, it's like such a stupid thing to say but like but yeah like it it has its its place um and but i do not see it any i guess the the point here is that i do i no longer see it as the primary factor in what makes a game like quote artistically viable and i don't see it as like a primary vehicle through which video games can be expressive now um yeah i think that's a that's an interesting question. Um, I think it is part of it is like, yeah, maybe it is like how we are defining it. Right. Because yeah, I think for a while it was about text heavy games. It was games that had a lot of story to give us. Um, and there, I think shadow classes is perfectly fine, like perfectly like legitimate as a net, like narrative game, even though it's like, yes, yeah, like a, like a, a narrative is like, is very direct and very minimal. Um, and I, yeah, like, I don't think it would, like, I wouldn't rule it out as a narrative game. Maybe it's like games that are more um, about telling a linear story using the interactive medium, like that, where it's kind of feels like a little like mismatched where it feels like you're, you're clicking through an inter- like I, I just, you know, I played like Genesis Noir in the beginning of the year and it felt a little like that where it's like i'm watching an animation that's really dope but also my only role in this is to press next essentially or move my guy to the next scene or or very minimal interactivity 
Um, and it's like the kind of, it's kind of rude because it's the kind of complaints that like gamers had about walking simulators 10 years ago, like where it's like, oh, I'm not even, they can't even do anything. Uh, but I th- yeah, I think it's like, I feel like there are, there are ways where it's like not doing anything can feel more involved. Like Return of the Oberdin, for example, you are not doing anything technically, but it feels you're in the game. Like you're wandering through these vignettes and you're activating them and, and you're, un- and you're also untangling them. There's a huge mechanic of like figuring out who's on the ship, but it's a pretty narrative. I would consider it a narrative game. Um, I think that's where it's like most interesting for me, where it's like they're finding out ways that the interactivity and the narrative can 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 interrelate in ways that are like really new and interesting versus something more like interactive fiction where it's like or choose your own adventure. I think that like that style is kind of seen as much as it's going to see uh, in terms of like just straight ahead interactive fiction. I think it's more about like, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of room for narrative narrative in games but in ways that are experimental, that are more like, um, that are more interesting and, and they actually take advantage of it being a video game. Right. And I think, I also think that this question has gotten harder to answer in a kind of clean way in the past like 10 years or so, because if you think about it, like when games, you know, first came around, narrative was something to aspire to having any sort of narrative that could, you know, make you feel anything or that was evocative in any way, shape or form was a big deal up through, I want to say almost like the PlayStation era. Like everyone was kind of concerned with like just being arcadey because that was kind of the bar that games had set for themselves. And then, you know, 20 like Bioshock era, like a little bit previous, like a little bit prior to that. um, People were like, can a game make you cry and shit like that? The whole like PS2, again, Shadow of the Colossus era, I think that's why Shadow of the Colossus comes up primarily for me because it's like, you know, you had stuff like Metal Gear, stuff that was kind of pushing the envelope narrative-wise, but now we are in this environment where you you bring up the good point, which is that like a lot of things are narratively experimental in ways that those weren't, and it's not necessarily... a it's hard to define like what a narrative driven game is because narrative shows its face in so many different ways in today's video game environment. And it's like, it's so hard to even think about what a narrative driven game looks like these days. Like, I guess Disco Elysium would be the kind of the narrative driven game Mm -hmm. because like you're just, you're just talking to people the whole time, but it's also, you know, it's also character driven. It's, it's like, in, in a kind of like literary sense. And mm. I, even that is not super clean cut. So yeah, I would say that over time, the concept of narrative in video games has become more and more complex, but compared to, you know, what games used to look like, we're in a, we're in a whole different world where just, yeah, of course, narrative is important. Um, and I think like just the fact that it is such a focal point for what people are doing with the form and how they, they change the approach is a big deal. And I mean, yeah. another game that we, we hadn't even brought up that is, has also had a profound effect on narrative and video games is dark souls mm-hmm. where it's like, it's not telling you like anything. It, you're just picking up items and 
kind of discovering things about the world yourself, which in itself is like adding an interactive element um, to the game. And while it's not like, quote, narrative driven, there's a lot of narrative stuff that is driving you forward in that game, too. And then oh. even that's like inspired by like Shadow of the Colossus and Ico kind of style of approach where it's it is it can be as simple as I'm killing this big cute dog and this sucks like I'm sad about this and even like finding out right. why the dog is fighting you is not as impactful as the actual fight. Right, 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 right. right. It's like just letting the interactivity tell a story, um, which yeah, Dark Souls is great at. Like it, it can it'll give you as much or as little as you need. Um, and if you're like, yeah, if you're like interested in it, then, then you actually like, you can look deeper into it, but it works on the level of, um, of pure, of the actual pure play of, of, of engaging with it. Cause I was thinking about why destiny doesn't hit as hard in terms of, of because I think like destiny takes a lot of, takes some, some weird lessons from dark souls where they're like, the lore exists, but it's hidden behind in another layer. Like it's hidden in another castle. You can't like right. find out about the game story by playing the game. Like you have to look up these like grimoire cards and there's a ton, a ton, a ton of history that you can read about that is, you know, ostensibly interesting. But I think like where it doesn't work is like Dark Souls, you don't, you can still get, a, you can still get a lot of the feel of the game of what you're doing without looking at the item descriptions, but I think destiny is just like, I don't know what the, why the fuck am I here? Why am I like killing these green guys? Like, why is there a robot talking to me? Why is there wizards? Like, like there's, they throw a ton of proper nouns in the game itself because they can't help themselves. And then it's, it's such a mess. Like, so actually like that's a case where like you can see why dark souls works. And it's, it's like, it's more than just withholding straight lore. It's like, there's actually like, a way to tell an interactive narrative, uh, like a, a narrative through an interactivity that, that isn't just like hiding it and behind like a layer of, of like items. That's yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I feel like that is a definite step that games have taken where I tend not to care as much about story in games these days, especially in a game where I'm, I'm just in it to shoot stuff. Like I've been skipping all the cutscenes in Halo. Mm hmm or this, this halo at least. Um, but at the same time you have this like lore as mise-en-scene thing where it's like, there's this history obviously hidden in these buildings that helps the design of how these worlds are built. And that the, the world building is like, is contained within the buildings themselves and what this place looks like. Um, yeah in a way that's not like spray paint on a wall, like, <laughs> let me out of here, environmental storytelling shit. But it's like, oh, like clearly this used to be a great kingdom, but it's fallen a long way since then. I feel like that's, that is like the new spray paint on the wall thing where it's like crumbling testaments to greatness past or whatever. Yeah. Um, like what's the way we can express very, this through level design? <laughs> yeah yeah um but that is that's that is really interesting to me too because like even if i'm not reading all the passages like you can feel it when you're playing the game right like there's that's something that i um that is in death's door where even mm -hmm. if i don't get what the fuck's going on in the lore of that game i'm like 
hmm, like <laughs> you're you're creating explanations for these things in your brain. Like Hollow Knight did that too. Mm -hmm. And often it's it's like in a horror film when they don't show the monster, it's like way scarier than when they do. It's like sometimes the lore is way more interesting in your head than when you actually read the fucking thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's generally where I've landed too. I mean, there's definitely ways to get direct storytelling. Like, I mean, I like, um, like what became of Edith Finch, I thought did a pretty good job in parts, like where it kind of allowed you to like play out the story. Like you were in the book, like where there's a kind of like, there's a part where you're listening to the story about a fisher, a guy in a fishing factory and you're like cutting fish and also having like these daydreams that stuff's cool. Right. But again, it falls under like experimental approaches where it's not just like, here's a wall of text, please read it and then yeah. go next. Like that, I think that is not, not enough. <laughs> yeah. And there's like, there's just so many ways to go about it mm -hmm. now. Um, but th some of them are really good. And I, and I do like the story as environment thing that we have going on now. And I'm, I'm, I'm chill with like letting that be just a trope for a minute, you know? Uh, yeah, but yeah, I think, I think we did a good job of answering that one for being a, such a wide ranging topic, but, uh, I think we could kind of wrap here if you're, if there's nothing else that you want to talk about specifically. No, it's been a great talk. I mean, I'm, I'm ready to open the door and let some cool air in this room. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I, I know the feeling, man, like my computer is chugging. It's like 10 <laughs> degrees hotter in here than it is outside and I have yeah. fucking door open and everything. But, um, Yusuf Cole, thank you for joining us or me today, Kyle. Oh, I didn't explain why Kyle's gone. He's working on his video game. He's got some big dates, uh, to meet. So he showed me an exclusive trailer for his game. Oh, and shit. wow, it looks like a game. It looks like a game. It was kind of a trip seeing it because it's like my friend's making a game. But now I see this trailer and I'm like, my friend's making a game that looks pretty fucking cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So shouts out to Kyle doing cool stuff. Woo. Wishless Cantata, C-A-N-T-A-T-A. -A -A. Support uh, my fellow Bad End co-host um, and support my current interim fellow Bad End co-host for today um yusuf cole thank you for being here again where can people find you i'm on twitter uh at yumi you and uh that's where most of my stuff is and i also edit bullet points with reed mccarter uh and that's on superculture which this podcast is also on yes superculture network um yeah i'll, I'll do my wrap-up stuff now this is Bad End Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bad End Podcast. You can email us at, oh, geez. I, <laughs> I always get this mixed up, dude. At Bad End Podcast, yes. And then we're on Gmail at badendpod at gmail.com. You could support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash badend, which will give you access to the Superculture Discord. And you could talk with me and Yusuf and Kyle and Reed and everyone who is part of the our community. I actually went and played tennis with a superculture discord member last weekend it's a lot of fun oh um, yeah get the exercise get some we got some exercise we're doing some fun stuff um but yeah thank you so much for joining us and we will see you in a couple of weeks later, later.